This is the Polycom Power Selling Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. In this episode, Global Account Manager Brian Bearden talks about the ins and outs of prospecting, offering insights and tips for connecting with prospects and winning new business. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, prospecting is obviously really important, but I think it's also something that's seen as notoriously hard to do and something that some sales reps kind of avoid. So what makes prospecting seem so difficult? Well, I think the first is uh, the most easiest one to point out is probably rejection. You know, a lot of people don't like getting the door slammed in their face, but it's also like it's like everybody knows it's a necessity. Um, I, I think that once you, one of the things I talk about in the, in the meeting was mindset, you know, making sure you ha- you're ready for that. If you're not, it becomes even worse. Um, but what, I think once you kind of wrangle it, wrangle it together and, and you look at it as um, the opportunity on the other side, it becomes so much easier. And, you know, the more you do it, obviously, the easier it gets. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned rejection, and I think you're right. Nobody likes being rejected. How do you deal with that rejection? Because I think you, you get probably get more no's than yeses, at least at first. So what are some tips for how to deal with people saying no? Well, that, that's a really good question. Um, a long time ago when, uh, you know, I've had several mentors um, and, and, you know, prospecting always comes up. Um, I was always taught uh, by several of them that it, it, you ha- you, you're going to get about 10 to 15 no's for every one yes. So if I keep getting these no's, I know I'm that much closer. I mean, that that's my mindset. So it just drives me to go even even faster and you, you put more activity behind it. But that's that's what drives me. You know, I was reading about prospecting in preparation for this interview, and this specifically came up, sort of how to deal with rejection. And one interesting thing I read is that one way you can look at it is every time you get a rejection, it's an opportunity to figure out, okay, what can I do differently to get a yes next time? Right. And, and in the same token, um, when you're getting these no's, a lot of times you're, you're at the same time gathering information. So you're probably going to call that same person back at some point. And, and if you're, you're, you're organized and you're, and you're paying attention, every single call is going to get a little bit better and a little more detailed. Now, you mentioned before about having the right mindset, and this is something you talked about in your presentation. And specifically, you talked about acting like you're already going to get the prospect's business and assuming a yes and a few other things. So what does that sound like when you're on the phone with a prospect? You know, it, it's, it's fluctuation in your voice. It's, it's making sure you're happy, making sure they know that, you know, the person they're talking to is someone they want to talk to. Um, you know, it's funny when, when if somebody calls you and you've never heard from them and it sounds like they're having a really bad day, you probably want to end that conversation as fast as possible. But if someone calls you and, they're, and the fluctuation in their voice is great and it sounds like they're really happy, that's someone you actually want to have a conversation with. You want to, you want to give yourself the, a fighting chance. Um, and, and honestly, acting as if you're having a great day and you love your job is not the end of the world. I think that's something that a lot of people can, can use uh, and not just prospecting. Yeah, sure. I mean, can you give me an actual example of what it literally sounds like for you to be on the phone? When you get in a call and you've put yourself in that right mindset – and the phone rings and the person says hello, what do you say? And how do you project that feeling of positivity and assuming a yes? I, I think it's, it's more of the attitude, right? So if I get on the phone and someone answers and I say, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, this is Brian Bearden. I'm really glad you answered the phone. I'm, um, I'm glad I can get a couple of minutes of your time. Um, and I have got that, that upbeat voice. Um, so whatever question I ask, they're already smiling on the other end. I can say, you know what? I 
the reason for my call is I'd love to come out and buy you a cup of coffee. There's a roadmap I'd love to show you. Um, it's very relevant to your business. I'm very excited about it, you know, and, and you you get that that fluctuation and you show them how excited you are and that you have that value. It's much different than if you call and you're very, very monotone and and it's just another call and you and you're you know, you're going through the motions. I mean, there's you can already feel it. So it's, I think that people, they underestimate how much, how important mindset is. Um, this is for me, this is one of the most important things. If it's get two cups of coffee, if it's, you know, whatever drives that person, you got to get it done that this is otherwise you're setting yourself up for failure. It would seem like there's a fine line between sounding really confident and coming across as overbearing, right? Or, or too confident. How do you manage that line? Well, you, you don't want to sound like you're full of yourself, uh, but you, you want to make absolutely be a little humble. Um, I think being excited and, and loving what you do and, and, and having, having all the information to show that you have value is much different than, than coming across as forcing them to take an appointment, right? So if, you're, if I'm offering you information and offering you uh, a, a time for us to meet and, and better your business, that's much different than you need to take this. You need to take this meeting. So you're still asking. Um, you're you're just asking in, in a way that's that's not so like you said overbearing. So one thing you didn't directly address in your talk is dealing with objections, which obviously is an important part of cold calling, right, or prospecting. Because you might assume a yes, but you're, as you said before, you're going to get a lot of no's. So what are some of the most common objections you get, and how do you respond to them? And actually, let me begin with what I think is probably just the most common objection. You know, you call and say, hey, I'm Brian. Uh, I'd like a few seconds of your time to tell you about this. And they just say, I don't have time right now. You know, it, it depends on the objection. But um, a lot of times it's, you know, I, I totally understand that. I caught you, I caught you off guard. When's a better time? Um, you know, I'm, I'm already uh, working with a lot of your colleagues. I'm very excited to, to share what I have with them. It sounds like everybody's in, uh, sharing that enthusiasm. I have a uh, next week as well open. What do you, what do you think? And you, you kind of keep going, right? You're not forcing it, but you're trying to be nice. You don't want to stretch that too far. But if someone gives you a no, that's, that's, that is the start of the conversation. So if someone gives, if it was that easy to just say yes all the time, prospecting would be a cinch, right? But I think that if someone comes up and I say, hey, you know, I'd love to meet with you for coffee. Right. And they say, absolutely not. Ask why. Hey, you know, I, I, I must, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I don't know your schedule very well yet. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Um, what is the best way to, to make sure you have this, this great information? You know, and it's, you're going to come up, the more you do it, you're going to come up with responses. And depending on who you're talking to, you're going to change that up, right? You're going to have five different responses for the same question. And you got to just, you got to keep doing it because you got to keep it fresh. So what if they say, we just don't have the budget for that right now? Oh, that's, that's, uh, you know what? A lot of people, um, when it comes to the budget questions, you know, that's something we can definitely plan with. That's something I love to do is show you ROI over several years, you know, and, and making sure that we're planning now um, for the future is probably more important than if it caught you off, caught you off guard, right? That's not something you want to, to deal with that, um, that you're already behind on. I'd love to have those conversations with you. That's something I do every day. Okay. And here's one more, what I think is a common objection. Well, we're, we're happy with the vendor we have right now. My first question is, who is that vendor? If they say it's Cisco or if it's LifeSize or whoever that is, as far as a, a competitor, you need to know that so you can actually um, get your next response ready. If it's okay, and then an easy one would be, what do you like about that? What do you like about that manufacturer? You know, what have they been doing that's so great for so many years? You know, with all the new technology that's out, 
I, I'm very interested to know what, what your, the, your hot buttons are. So the next time I call, I call with more relevance. Are there any other objections that you get frequently that we should talk about? You know, it's funny. It's when you're, when you do the homework up front, the objections, they're not as blunt. Um, so if you know who you're calling and you're already tailoring your message, there's a lot of people out there that love to be nice and they love to help out. I think people underestimate that. So I think that the objections that you get, people are still going to be nice to you. They're still going to be like, you know, thank you so much for the call. Unfortunately, you know, I don't think it's the right time. You know, nobody likes to be very, very um, blunt and tell you absolutely not. It, that's not the, uh, the response you should, you should be getting. Okay. So how do you tailor a message to make sure that you don't get those blunt responses? Or what strategies do, do you use in those first seconds of a call to kind of ward off some of the, those objections? Let them know you did your research. Hey, you know, uh, Mr. Joe Smith, you know, um, I, I've actually talked to a few people in your organization. They say that uh, you'd be the best person to talk to. I've also looked up, it looks like you went to the, you know, um, to her school of business. Um, you know, that's what, that's where I come from as well. Um, do you have a couple of minutes? You know, the, the reason for my call is I work for Polycom and, you know, we have some, some great new innovations, um, that are directly tied to your business. Um, I'd love to speak with you. You know, it, it's making sure you have the information and when you call it, it's relevant to that person. And I think that even some, some of my colleagues on, uh, when I was giving the meeting, it was, they pointed that out as well. It's, they, they know what to say and who to say it to. So the more you tailor that message, the more likely you are to actually engage somebody in conversation. Absolutely right. This is, um, you know, this is this is not a, a pick up the phone and, and grab a list and call. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. You need to make sure you have your your information ready and you do the legwork um, in advance. Now, what about using scripts? I know that some salespeople like preparing scripts and and having things kind of scripted out. Some do not. What's your take on that? I'm, I'm absolutely not. I don't like scripts. I think it's okay to have a couple of notes jotted down about the information that you're going to call on. But for me, when I call off, if I was to call and I've tried scripts, um, it sounds very canned. And I think that once you, once you start sounding not genuine, that call gets that much harder. Um, so that's why I'm opposed to using them. What about practicing? It would sound like uh, practice is probably pretty important here. Absolutely. Um, it, it's good to practice, practice in the mirror. It's just like any presentation you're going to, you, you need to practice your pitch on what it sounds like, you know, listen to yourself, um, you know, do a, a quick recording and, and see if you sound upbeat, see if you sound like you need to go back to back, back to bed. You know, you need to find out and feel what the other person on the other end of the line is feeling. So as you just mentioned before, when you did your presentation, there was a good discussion around the need to tailor the messages like we were just talking about. So I wanted to get some examples from you of how you tailor messages depending on who you're talking to. Let's say it's on one call, it's a CFO, and on another call, it's the head of IT or something like that. What, what are your strategies for tailoring those messages? For anything that's a CFO, CEO, CXO really is when you call, this is a high level call. Um, you want to know, uh, what's important to them. And it's not just what keeps them up at night. You can't say, Hey, what, would it keep you up at night? If, if your whole, your, your whole infrastructure came down, of course it would, 
you, know, you, you want to call with, you know, hey, I would, I've been doing some research. It looks like you guys have had a great quarter. Um, some of the things that I've been doing with your competitors and mention another CFO, mention another somebody else um, that they may know in their network or in their same city. Some, some of the things we like to do is make sure that our leadership, I, I even pair up my leadership with theirs. They want to hear about partnerships. They want to hear about long-term gains. They want to hear about those are the different topics. You don't call and say, you know, um, tell me about the endpoints when you're talking to a C-level contact. That may be a conversation for a um, somebody when you're first prospecting into a help desk or maybe an IT, but keep it high level, keep it relevant and, and make sure you know at least, you know, where they come from. Where, where did they, where was their job before that? You know, especially if that, that previous job, which I run into a lot, is already a Polycom customer, they may already be familiar with what you're doing. That happens a lot. So you can reference that and you'll have, you already have a commonality when you call. And what about talking to someone on a lower level? Think about their day, right? What does their day consist of and how could you make it better? So if I call and I talk to, to say, Bill Smith and I say, hey, Bill, you know what? Um, one of the things that I know that's, that's made a lot of IT managers and, and help desk uh, much better is this tool. It's called Resource Manager. And you can go through and tell them about all the different things on what it does. Would that help you? Absolutely, it's going to help them. And they're going to get excited about it. And then you be, then you actually, you're trying to create champions. You know that's not a decision maker. Chances are it's not. You want to build a champion. You want as many champions in that in account as possible. So that, that may be the reason for your call. So a lot of sales books these days and blogs and even podcasts talk about the new landscape of B2B selling and specifically about how buyers have so much more information these days because of the internet and consequently that sellers have to try to position themselves as strategic partners or even coaches to help sellers make sense of all the information and make good decisions. So how can Polycom sellers position themselves that way when they're prospecting? Well, I, I think that we're very lucky. Polycom has a great brand. So we've already got a leg up when we call because we are Polycom. But when you call, it, it's I think the one important thing that it's very hard to do is you want to teach your customer something. So you want to differentiate yourself from, from somebody else. And that, that's not the brand, that is the, that is the person calling. So you can have, you know, there, there are several different reps out there, um, but if you call and you're actually teaching a customer something and it's something they didn't know, that's something they're going to remember. If you call and just agree with them, chances are that's, okay, great, he's a nice guy and we share the same things, but there's no benefit, there's no value. What's the main thing that you want listeners to take away from this discussion? You know, one of the biggest things that I, I can say is, is, is this is, it is hard, right? So prospecting is not, is not an easy task. Um, I would say that people need to prioritize it more than they already are where, wherever they're at in, in this stage, as far as building a book of business, I think that do your homework, but, and I put this in, in, in my presentation was the easiest way to mess this up is to not do it. You can't mess this up. The more you practice, the better you will get. I, I think that if you make the time, you will see the benefit in in spades. And I think that I, the good thing about that is most of the time that benefit is on your paycheck. Excellent. Well, Brian, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That does it for this episode of the Polycom Power Selling Podcast. If you have any questions for Brian or just want to talk about prospecting, you can reach him by phone at 408 586 3705 
Or send him an email at brian.bearden, that's B-E-A-R-D-E-N, at polycom.com. Thanks for listening. 